and you thought vinyl left. You're listening to the Vinyl Community Podcasts. Everything vinyl. Hello, everyone. Uh, well, I'll introduce everyone. I'm Rob the Wax. Next to me is Mike, Notes and Tones. Below me is Mike Jazzbum. And then there's Felipe Jazzbum. And uh, I like the look, Felipe. Is that your uh, dentist shirt with the uh, black shirt yeah, on? Yeah, I just got back from work. I didn't have time to. <laughs> hey, um, so we're here to give our thoughts on this beautiful where did i do with mine it ran away it's somewhere here mike hold up yours we're here to talk about the craft lockjaw eddie davis and shirley scott cooking with jaws and the queen box give our thoughts on it um Felipe has a good story, and I would like him to tell his story why he does not have the box in his hand. So I do not have a box. I bought my box. I received it on uh, Tuesday, and yesterday there was a big price drop. I returned it, and uh, I ordered a new one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but he's listened to it, so he can give his honest opinion. So we're we're gonna go through the box and tell you our thoughts from every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start off with the packaging because it, that's what impressed me the most. <laughs> I mean, it is funny, but it, it did. Uh, the box, if you've gotten boxes recently from Craft, uh, like the Ornette Coleman box, mm -hmm. um, I have that one. They, they do a great job. It's very impressive. The team, whoever puts these together, they did a great job. What really impressed me, first of all, well, I'll show you what you get. So you get this nice box with the hype sticker, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make, I want to see everyone's reaction instead of making each one of us big. You get a really nice booklet with um, photos and pictures of the tape and bios and stories. And it's really well done. Very nice. There's a picture of Shirley Scott and George Divier. We play bass on some of the, um, most of it. There's a picture of Jerome Richardson and a picture of one of the tapes. So this is very, very well done. But now what floored me was the covers. These, it feels like I went back in time and bought these new back in the 60s. Yeah. Would everyone kind of uh, agree with that assessment? It's, yeah, it's really well done. Yeah, I will say when I when I opened it up um, before any of us spoke, um, <clears throat> I I did notice that these were like the, the they're different than the AP Prestige a little bit. I feel like they're they're more squared if that makes any sense. Like they're sharper yeah. angled on the on yeah. the side. They're not as glossy, so they feel like an actual original, like a, just a perfect original. Well, that this is, uh, I didn't get the Chet Baker box. Mike, uh, do you have that? Uh, no. Which, I, haven't, you're I, haven't I haven't separated. No, I don't. Mike, you're muted. Um, I don't either. That's what struck me because we've been with the Tome Poets and uh, with uh, the AP reissues. 
this this feels the most authentic to me out of all of them. And in to my point is here I have a OG Red Garland Soul Burning, and it's even uh, it's on that uh, gray uh, stereo. Silver stereo. But th here's this one, and it just I don't want to do size comparison. Is it? It's a little smaller. No, just a tad. But it feels. I mean, it's it feels this. It's like the same, you know. So. Yeah, you know, um, it is. A, they did a really good job. I have two originals from the series. Like I have um, volume two mm -hmm. and volume three, mm -hmm. which you know they have a little laminate on there. It's not super glossy, but um, I like the you know I like the the reissue. Um, covered better because you know the, uh, it's not laminate and um, they're about the same size and it's um, it's it's I'd say it's it's as sturdy as the original cover which is um, pretty good on volume two and three mm -hmm. but these so are you know, they've held these these covers have held up these are the originals they've held up pretty good but, oh yeah. You can see the, the, the you know, the laminate. And, and what differs, it, it, the pictures are so sharp and they don't look like they were right. copied. Um, I don't I don't know if, how they had the original artwork and what state those photos were, but it feels authentic. It doesn't feel blurry or whatever. It's really top notch. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would say 10 out of 10 on the uh, presentation. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Okay, uh, if uh, Mike Jazzbum, if you want to take over on the next, next next aspect of this, do you want to talk about uh, go in order of the records? Yeah, I mean we can um, we could talk about you know obviously music is most important. Um, I've had a chance to listen to all four once, and then I listened to volume one and two again today. Uh, I mean there. There are just like a few points that I want to make. Um, one is when I when I, when this was first announced, I didn't pre-order it right away. Um, I uh, am familiar with these records, uh, but I was unsure if I was going to get it. I was digging in a record shop that has a listening station, and they had Cookbook Volume Two. It was a little beat up, but I got to go listen to it. And what really kind of jumped out at me, first of all, I mean Eddie Lockjaw Davis. I feel like is real like his tone on this his style is is the star of the show i mean yeah. his 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 uh his tenor sax is really um something maybe we could maybe we could just talk about his tenor or what everybody's impressions of his style is and then after that uh we could talk about shirley scott mm -hmm. um who i think um is also just the perfect um partner in this on these records, uh, and I would, and, and we can we can get into her, um, a little bit more. But the one thing I want to say is, if you are not into organ, if you are not into flute, Shirley Scott and Jerome Richardson are kind of the best side people mm -hmm. that Lockjaw could have had on this because I feel like 
It's not overwhelming. They're not overwhelming. They're really, they company perfectly on a lot of these tracks, if not all yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, but but I, I think it is worth just uh, to, to kind of sit on uh, Eddie Lockjaw Davis for a second. So do you guys have any reactions to his his style on these compared to other things you've heard him on? Um, and uh, yeah, we could, we could start with that. Yeah. Um, I feel like throughout the four volumes there, he, he has a very particular, very uh, personal way of playing, but um, he always plays to different styles. There's a little bit of bop there, a little bit of a hard bop, a little bit of blues, a lot of blues, I think, which I think that's uh, the, the main theme of, of all of them. So he can switch many different styles, many different, uh, but all, always with the same tone. You, you can tell it's him. And regarding the, the, the side players, Mike, uh, I agree. I think especially on volume three, there are passages you hear like Shirley uh, playing the, the organ. You can, you just think this could be on a saxophone easily or the flute or they just seem to be like exchanging the notes so, so nice in there. I think it, the mix is so good. And when she's not soloing, she just sets the mood for them to solo. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I would um, agree about with Lockjaw. And I think what you get with, you know, and hearing him play, you know, you have that, that really gruff tone. But, you know, you get his experience. You know, he's he played, you know, before this, he had played with, you know, everyone. He played with small groups at Mentons, he, you know, bass. He has a bassy experience. So, you know, he's bringing all that here. Um, mm -hmm. And you hear it in the way he plays. It's just not like you, you get some organ combos and the guys are just trying to blow you out the room or whatever. He's, you know, even with the gruff tone, he's a very sophisticated player. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I get about this whole group. Uh, even, you know, these are not like, you know, certain organ combos. They try to oversoul it. You know, they try to, you know, it's like, we're going to, we're going to really play hard. We're going to swing. We're going to show you guys that we're the best band on the Chitlin circuit. Mm -hmm. This is a lot of nuance in this group, a lot yeah. of nuance. And, um, you know, we talked, you guys talked about Jerome Richardson, who, like the best utility player, you know, one of the best utility players in jazz. Not only does he play the flute on this, but he plays baritone, you know, he plays um, tenor. Tenor, um, he's just a great, he's a great guy that could do a variety of things. Mm -hmm. And George DeVivier on bass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got, that's the one thing I that was good about this, by having this these reissues as opposed to my OGs, I could really hear George DeVivier and um, Arthur Edgell um, more so in this, on this reissue than on those OGs. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually my issue. I'm a big bass person and I like to hear the bass, the plucking of the strings. Mm -hmm. yeah. But getting to back to uh, Lockjaw, I feel his style, the, the three cookbooks uh, records are very bluesy to me. They're just blues. It's all about nuance. It's all about feeling. And I feel like uh, if you listen to a lot of uh, jazz style organ playing, it's mm -hmm. usually flashy. It's flashy. 
it's sort of almost sometimes you know they take the bass lines and, mm-hmm. and set the mood but she's very subtle and without being flashy and it, it i think it makes more of an impact to me than listening to like jimmy smith or yep you know any just it always seems the organ becomes more of a center point mm-hmm. where i want to hear the other the other plane and 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 with lockjaw style and the bluesy thing i feel he's breathy and he's really he's really um kind of you know instigating the play mm-hmm. with that style uh yeah. and, and then when we get to smoking that you know i think i have other lockjaw records that are party people get the the tag of a party record i don't feel the cookbook records are party records no, no. smoking yeah. is smoking is a party record. yeah yeah i uh, i am um, another point that i think is worth mentioning that uh i was watching um ken McAuliffe got the box i think early to review and he did an unboxing and he was just talking about lockjaw and these records and he's very familiar with these and he planted a seed. So when I was listening to this, I I I, I feel like it. Um, when I when I noticed it, I, I was I, I just thought of that what he was saying, and and that's really and there's variety on this, but there's a tempo on this that I feel like is very, for lack of a better term, slow in many cases. Like there is just a, and I don't want to like I feel like this doesn't justify it, but there's like a simplicity sometimes in the drumming. Where it's just like the bass on the one and three, the snare on the two and four, and you have a slow tempo, and that is just taking you through that song, and everybody else is just like above it, doing their thing. Well, yeah. And I feel like most most records I listen to aren't like they they don't have that simplicity to it, but I think the it doesn't it, I think it adds to it in a way where they get it right. I don't know if everybody could do what they are doing on this, but there's the. T- I feel like so. I want to just take um, a moment to just ask you guys about the tempo. And I know that like like the smoking one obviously is way more up tempo, but there's a lot of slow groove in yeah. the pocket feel to this um, that I really in, in my collection I don't have much of. Um, on that sense, Mike, I, I think. Uh, Two and three, they belong more together than one. I think one is a little faster as well. Okay. Um, I found some more like uh, faster songs, but 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 I agree. I mean, it's simple. Some sounds like a, a great dish, right? A cookbook. Yeah. Um, the less is more. Uh, you know, let's let's cook it with care, slowly. Let's cook it well and get to a very great result without trying to reinvent the wheel or adding too many ingredients that might just not sound great. I think they, they quite achieved that. You're spot on. I totally agree. And that's the impression I had as well. Yeah, the whole simplicity thing and, you know, you know, simplicity is not actually an easy thing to achieve. But um, I think that with Lockjaw, I think that also comes from that basic experience. You know, you're not, um, you know, yep. Basie w- yep. was the master at, you know, simplicity, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, he, like I said, he brings that a wealth of experience to these sessions. And not only do you get, you know, that groove thing w- with um, Shirley Scott, but I also get 
you know, there's a gospel feel in her her playing. If if you you listen to, especially at the slower tempos, and when she's behind, she's playing behind someone. There's a definite gospel feel there, and I think that works. I mean, all these guys, you know, were really experienced musicians. Um, going, just going back to George Duvivier, I mean, he, um, gosh, he had so much experience. I mean, he started off as a violin player, I believe, mm-hmm. and was like a concert master to some mid-level orchestra at 16. Um, it's just, um, this, these guys are bringing all this experience to these sessions. They're not just like young firebrands, just, you know, going to show everybody we can play and we got all these notes and they're like you know we can take our time we can you know we can raise the the level of heat um throughout we can sustain you know a song mm-hmm. yeah. can you can you mike speak to um arthur edge hill as the drummer um because i'm not so familiar with him Arthur Edge Hill. He, gosh, now I can't remember what record. Oh, he's on the. I think it's the Kenny Durham live at the Cafe Bohemia. Mm-hmm. Is that um, is that the Pacific Jazz one? No, that's the Blue Notes. I believe that something somebody could, could check and correct me if I'm wrong. No, I don't think he, he's well known, um, and I th- I believe he's probably the only person that's still alive. From these sessions, I think he's like in his in like ninety. He is not. He is ninety six years old. Yeah, but um, in the liner notes, you know, and that's one thing I wanted to talk about. The liner notes are really good, um, and the, um, the author um, talks to Kenny Washington, the drummer. Kenny Washington is known as the Jazz Maniac, and he talks about Arthur Edgehill, and he talks about how you know he was a master. And how he picked, how he learned to play um, from Arthur Edgehill behind these these organ trios, and how he was a master at playing behind them. Um, I love his cymbal work. Um, trying to look what song, it is. but yeah, on on Volume One in the Kitchen, you can you know um, on that song. I mean, that's my favorite from that from that. Um, from volume one, um, you really get to hear his cymbal work um, on there, and it's just outstanding. He's a, you know, he's a top-notch supporting um, supporting player. Yeah, I think like we were talking about, it's uh, Lockjaw's the star of the show. It just mm-hmm. feels like everyone's there to support him. Yeah. Um, another thing I think is um, top of mind for me. I've been really getting into the prestige, uh, quote unquote, jam session records. And they're basically like four tracks to the whole album. It's two just long, like 10 minute songs on each side. And for, for I think volume one and two, there's only five tracks and side B or side A, like have two songs and you just get all the musicians, plenty of room, plenty of time to get in and basically like do what they need to do. These aren't like little, you know, this isn't like a set of like a bunch of three minute songs. They're, it's not, it's not three songs. On long a songs. 
like these like there's a lot of room on these these sessions uh, for these guys to really kind of like embody you know each song so i feel like and 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 that's i think i think smoking is more um typical where it's like three tracks aside but but these other ones they're really i mean I don't know if I'd call them. I don't. I wouldn't call them jam sessions per se, because I. I feel like that uh, connotes a, a certain style, but they do get a lot of time on each track. To really, kind of get their get their point across. Yeah, but but I, but I also think. Um, I mean, the songs being long, especially on two and three, um, and as you talk, being simple, and naming one two and three i think they kind of had a plan there they, they knew what they were doing they they had a uh the titles of the songs again almost like everything ref referring to cooking or kitchen right or, or dishes so they had an idea they had a concept and i think they, they wanted to, to build uh kind of a, a work around it i think that's uh at least to me that came quite clear yeah i mean i think there's there's a, you know the songs are you know i Kind of loosely constructed, where you know there's a there's a a build up in each of you know in and most of the songs, and it's not rushed. Like mm -hmm. um like you know just sticking with volume one on in the kitchen, you know you you got the bass that starts off, then Shirley Scott enters, um you, you know you got um Lockjaw solo, and then what's what after um, my second listen, what I really liked about it is around the 10 minute mark, you get George DeVivier with a, ba a bass solo that's actually mm -hmm. out of this world. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah. it's just so sophisticated. You know, he's not like, you know, okay, I'm gonna show you up, dude, I'm this master of the bass. He's within you know, the parameters of the music and it's just, it's just fabulous. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, that, that's what I feel. I feel like everyone, if, if on each of the three cookbook albums, everyone's given a little chance to kind of add their little thing to the songs. Yep. But mm -hmm. it's truly anchored. Those, you know, the album, the songs are anchored with Lockjaw. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, just to quickly kind of show, I don't think we had a chance to show the covers, but, um, this one, I think we displayed. This is the volume. I'll make you big. I'll just go through the four of them really quickly. So I think to Felipe, your point on how they plan these, I mean, the original cover is, uh, the original cover is volume one. So mm -hmm. they, you know, obviously thought about subsequent releases. Um, and I don't know if anybody on the panel knows, but uh, the years these were recorded, I know that volume one and two, I think in uh, Lockjaw's discography come uh, one after the other. But were they recorded the same year? Were they the same, like part of the same like sessions, or yeah, they put these out, yeah. package it, and then go and this, um, Volume one was June June twenty fifty eight. Okay. Volume two, December fifth, fifty eight. Okay. Um, volume three, September twelfth, fifty eight. Okay. And the, the, the and the smoking was December fifth, nineteen fifty eight. Right. Oh, so well, these certainly, yeah. And there's a variety of dates on that one. And they were released in the sixties, sixty one, sixty four. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's fascinating because they were, you know, they turned them around pretty quickly. It almost reminds me, I mean, it's not nearly the same, but um, the Miles uh, steaming, working, relaxing, and cooking, uh, mm -hmm. those were recorded within, I think, two days of mm -hmm. each other. And they put out those four records. Um, and that was before 58, I think. That was, I think that was that was earlier. Yeah. But perhaps, mm -hmm. perhaps, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but so anyway, they're, so conceptually, I think that they, they work together really well. Um, and they're, they're great records. I, I think before this box set was announced, I, I was sleeping on Lockjaw, I was sleeping on Shirley Scott. But I think these, they work together really well. Like I said, if you're not into organ, I would go stream these. These are, I, Shirley Scott sounds different. I mean, she just does. Does not yeah. sound Jimmy Smith. I mean, yeah. her, yeah, her early work is great. Her, uh, her records with Kenny Borrell are really good as well. So I, I would say, you know, these could be, if you're not into organ, this could be an exception. So check it I, out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to uh, kind of go over the mastering of this. I know I sent Felipe the twofer, which has cookbook one and two. Mm -hmm. That's what I've had for a long time. And those are kind of sound really good. But kind of sound the, the 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 drastic difference between these are Bernie Grumman mastered, yes, remastered is, is there's true separation on these remasters. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the sound stage, you get the separation of the instruments. They, 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 you know, they sound um, individualized, right? The separation, yeah. as opposed to what I had before the two for. Which just was a really nice sounding. Sounds but, good. Know, yeah, sounds but good. yeah, this is this is another level. I, I agree, Rob. Um, better separation. Everything comes clear, but I think the bass kind of embraces everything and uh, envelops yeah. it. I think it's great. Yeah. Like again, I love the plucky sound of the bass strings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When when they can separate that and make it, it always seems like it's in the background and at a lower volume. Yeah. But when it pops through it just adds so much dimension to the yeah sound of the record it's yeah. heavy it's low but it's not like muddy it, it really no, comes yeah, it's not muddy. Yeah, yeah yeah and i think uh lockjaw and shirley scott are in the left channel and they the separation is really good but the, even within like that that's like the the sound stage i feel like there's it's not that there's separation but like there's a sound stage there and I think also, um, uh, Mike, you were saying you like the symbol work, mm -hmm. and I really like the separation of like the symbols too. Like everything was very clear and defined, um, mm -hmm. which is it, 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 it's it's noticeable. But I mean, when you're listening to it, it just just sounds really good. Yeah, um, really, really uh, top notch on the on the mastering choices. Yeah, um, yeah. Hard to tell. I don't know if it's the, the current mastering or the original engineering, the recording, mm -hmm. but special cookbook two and three, I like the way his uh, the, the saxophone echoes from side to side. It's really mm -hmm. nice. To do that. Well, that's it's Van Gelder, so mm -hmm. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get that echo coming. It's really good. And fifty eight, that would place them at um, Hackensack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the photo you can see the yeah yeah. You can just see from the photos the the oh, living room. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. So, yeah, I you know, 
sound like sonics on this are outstanding. Yeah, you can hear the uh, window coverings in the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what I I also like is you know just the you know the, the selection of of songs you know you have the originals that you know stick with the whole cooking theme but then you have all those standards thrown in there um so you know uh, and they do really they do really excellent renditions without them just being you know you know just um wrote standards wrote interpretation of standards mm -hmm. um, just, um, yeah. but beautiful i surrender dear they're they're all excellent and yeah. and on each of even on just like on all all the um tunes but even on the standards you know the individual members you know they mm -hmm. get a chance to shine like on i surrender dear on in volume two it's great. Yeah, and you've got you know Jerome Richardson has that beautiful solo on, on the flute, and, mm -hmm. and just you know I just it all works you know. And these guys you know they knew they knew the standard book, so you know it's, it's not like you know they're just um, and it talks about in the liner notes where Eddie Lockjaw Davis was probably from like the Lester Young school of where you have to know the words to the, the to the songs. And that's the kind of feeling I get, especially, you know, from uh, Lockjaw Davis, Shirley Scott and um, Jerome Richardson. That They actually knew the words to these standards. Mm -hmm. you know, sure. It just wasn't like, oh, it's standard. I mean, just play some notes. They actually yeah. knew these words. That's probably why they selected them. They probably like the songs, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. this, you have a lot of crooners out there doing these standards, making them popular. Um, so these were, yeah, these were well covered songs. Yeah, but mm -hmm. even even um, you know, um, going to George Davidier, if you look at his resume and who he played with, um, yeah. even he would, you know, it's probably incredible. knew the words to these these, these standards, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and and uh, this these sessions were prestige sessions. It's not like they had time to rehearse right, anything. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Bob Weinstock yeah. is not Alfred Lyon, you know. Right. Yeah. So, so the fact it comes through that they knew what they were playing. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, I don't know how many takes these were. I would assume like one take because they knew the songs, right? Yeah, and I don't, I don't recall any on the. I know I have a down, I have a digital download of all the cookbook sessions. Um, I can't recall any alternate takes, but they, they may have been. Um, yeah, I mean they. They're not perfect. I mean, they right. have to mess up. They probably have false starts or something. Yeah, like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, things like that. Uh, so, out of the three cookbook records, which is your favorite uh, one? That's um, kind of flow into each I other. I feel like whichever one I'm listening to becomes yeah, a yeah. one. They're yeah. so very. It's hard. Yeah, they they're truly mood records because they're bluesy. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, they're very emo to me emotional records as opposed to smoking, which that you know. I would say, I would, and I need to I need to sit with these more and more. But I yeah. think Volume Two may edge out Volume One for me. But again, I have to listen to Volume Three, and I got to listen to. Yeah, this. it's hard. What do you guys think? Hard to point. I 
when we listened to, to volume two for the first time, I kind of got the exact same thing. Like, man, volume two is, but then I think volume three is my favorite. Okay. Out, out of the three, I, I just felt like it sounds more solid. I don't know. It's just more, although I think my favorite song from the whole set is the Rev. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I, you know, I, I, I just can't right now. I can't pinpoint, and I've listened to I've listened to it twice, and then you know, I, uh, on the subway home, I listened to it again on my headphones, volume one and, and volume two. You know, because you I you always I always pick up something new. You know, um, yeah, yeah. just like I heard that uh, on the subway was when I heard that um, George DeVivier, um bass solo, um, and on in the kitchen. And I'm like, wow, because then I, I looked at my um, I looked at my um, phone, and I go, wow, and then I noticed it was at the 10 minute mark, and I was like, wow, that's just like phenomenal. Yeah. So you know, it's I don't know, it's sort of probably too early for me okay. um, to say to pick a favorite if I ever could. I, I will tell you the the thing that triggered me to pre to pre order the box was I put on the twofer again and listened to it. And I was just, you know, going, wow. I mean, I was, I, it's a twofer. I was listening to both records. I kind of judged it as one record, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. it played that way. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. And I will say, I, um, this is just an aside. It really doesn't matter. Um, but I have the analog productions prestige records and I got a bunch of the ones. I, I forget the number, but I have a bunch of them and I keep them out in my living room area and I put all my, like these are right next to them. I take them out of the box. I put them with those, you know, those new, like really nicely pressed, great sounding, great mastered analog productions versions. And these just build onto it. So mm -hmm. I think if, if you are someone who's been collecting those ones that analog productions has been putting out, these really um, fit in well with those. I think the, like, you know, not to use the term audiophile, but if you're if you're into mm -hmm. that thing, I think these these really you know whole, like they're they're on par with that level. Yeah. Well, to speak oh, yeah. to that point, it 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 not to suggest that Ch Chad should be uh, shaking in his boots, but Chad Chad should be shaking in his boots. <laughs> I mean, the this if they created a standard, right? Mm -hmm. This is not a this. I will say it's RTI who did the pressing of these, right? Who put this? Uh, right? Probably, probably. So. Right. So I'm not sure. These are. Uh, they're not saying on the hype sticker. No, they don't say on the hype sticker. But I, I think they are. But I, I'm telling you know who should be shaking in their boots? Um, Blue Note. To me, I'm. This was a more satisfying purchase. Uh, definitely not even close to the class the classics it is they, yeah so here's the deal uh i think uh, both mikes and i got this when target had it for pre-order for 99 bucks right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if you have a target uh, credit card which sort of their version of prime you get a five percent discount from that it is a great value right Fantastic. for 25 dollars a record this should make uh, Blue Note go, where we if they if uh, Kraft can produce 
a record like this to this quality, I don't understand why the classics can't be like this. That's the issue with craft, though. You know, they I'll say with the box sets, they've done a good job. Yeah, right. You know, the um, but individual releases, can they get it together? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they've yeah. done it for they've done it for some. I've gotten some of their individual release. Yeah, like the, no, I mean, but, the Jeff Bakers yeah. are like this. Yeah, but the then Jeff you, you go to, can they do it on the line of consent, like Blue Note? Boom, boom, boom. You got the individual releases. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Crap, like. Yeah, their soul and blues releases are really good. Mm -hmm. Some of the OJCs, I think, depends on the label. Some are crappy. I mean, mm -hmm. in terms of cover, the, the pressing is great. The sound is great, but the covers are kind of eh. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, like, uh, I think the OJCs are going to be like these, right? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping now. So. Um, so, so yeah, I think they will because they're not, you know, they're going to. And at that price point, right? Yeah, 39 bucks, gonna, they have they, to. They're going to start off with the, you know, creme de la creme. Of the OJCs, they're not, you know, they're not gonna go. You know, they're just, they're gonna be very safe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, you yeah. know. Well, yeah. okay, the the um, our pepper was like this. The record store day mono. Right. I haven't bought the stereo. Mm -hmm. I haven't bought any of the uh, contemporary ones. Are they like this? The contemporary issues. I do not recall. Oh, okay. I have a couple. I don't remember. Honestly, what contemporary? The the Benny Carter is very the it's very good. Um, Here's a well, I got, well, I got that's, that's from the box, right? I, this is from the box, yeah, yeah. So the, the jacket's Benny a little Carter. different. Uh -huh. Now this might be from Stoughton. This this right. might be a Stoughton jacket, where these these other ones might be using that new Mexican uh, printer. Uh -huh. Yeah, they, yeah. I'm confused. These, you know, who should be shaking in the boots? Because I'm going to change this every time I say it. Stalin should be shaking in their boots. <laughs> I mean, there were no seam splits on this. I don't know the construction of these jackets. Seems like it's a better construction than um, I don't, you know, the if like the Ernest Coleman, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that that box was very good as well. But yeah, I think yeah. these I, I I'd give these like a half a tick up from those. The other thing I just want to mention is this might be a name that we get more familiar with, but if you look at the liner notes here on the back. They talk about some of the folks from craft that are involved and the project supervision from craft is Mason Williams. Um, the project assistance, uh, the project assistant is uh, Chris Clow. And then the compilation was produced by Nick Phillips. So, you know, maybe hopefully these folks will come out and maybe, you know, give some interviews to somebody, um, and uh, and we can learn more about you know how their approach is and what their background is and what they have in store. And I think uh, the 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 Benny Carter um, contemporary may have been Chad though, right? Was that Chad? I think Benny Carter was part of the yeah contemporary. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. One thing I liked about the liner notes is and, you know, and this has been a pet peeve of mine with these guys and um, these reissues in the liner notes. They finally found someone different to write the liner notes. Other than yeah. Ashley uh, Khan? Yes, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm tired of Ashley Khan. I'm not saying he's bad or anything, but I want a different perspective. And finally, you know, yeah. you got a different perspective from you know one of the major reissues houses that are doing, yeah. you know, a reissue. I, 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 I would have. I don't even know if I would have read the essay if it was Ashley Khan because I'm just so tired. Just so tired. <laughs> 
Well, I think it I'm trying. Sure. They put him. They put him on the Coltrane um, liner notes. Now he did write the house that Train built, so fine. Like he's done his research, and you know he he could be the go-to guy for Coltrane. But I agree. Like he his name is. I'm trying to think, but he's he's like always the author. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, even with the the um, you know the miles he wrote the book um, for Kind of Blue and all that, but you know, I'm some. That's fine, but there are so many reissues with these guys. You don't need him. I don't think I don't want to see him in another Coltrane reissue. I don't. Okay. There, there are other guys that have written better, more definitive stuff about Coltrane. It's just, yeah, mm -hmm. that's yeah. A, a thing that gets me. I mean, it, it might speak to the laziness how people do their job. Just get him that's, on the phone. He's easy. That's exactly it. Right. You're right, and that's yeah. a, that's why you know, in the, you know, like craft, you know the. Sort of their laziness, even with their how they do the reissues. It seems like okay, let's throw this out there. Okay, call Ashley Khan. We got it. But right. He did, so he did the the um, liner notes for the Yusuf Latif Eastern Sounds um, one step that Kraft put out. He did the Miles Davis Kind of Blue UHQR liner notes. And he also did the Ornak Coleman box, the record I just showed. So he's doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> At least those are the ones I have. It's, it's really, it is laziness. You know, you can get, you know, they call him up and, and say, That's hey, totally you, can you do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder who's going to do the Sonny Rollins. Um, since he's still alive, I, I hope that they maybe involved him or did like some interviews or something. Um, well, just if, they, if, they, if they were smart, they would get, you know, they should have gotten the guy that did the biography. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, and people knew, people knew that this biography was forthcoming for years. One minute later. Do any of you guys have the Sonny Rollins box pre-ordered? No. Uh, yes. Not I, yet. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm assuming. I I'm waiting. Okay. Wait Ashley, they... Ashley, Ashley Kahn's doing the liner notes. <laughs> Grammy award-winning music, music historian Ashley Kahn. It just makes no sense to me. It really—I'm sorry. It just makes. Yeah. It's just laziness. Let's, it's absolutely laziness. Yeah, you've got a contract. Well, it's it's, pro, it's very incestuous. I mean, maybe the person who's supervising worked with them before. You know. Yeah. It's a safe. Um. Bit. It's a safe. Bit. Uh, and from what I understand, I guess Amazon has the boxes. But uh, a lot of people are waiting on their orders too elsewhere. So I guess the box mm -hmm. is selling well, right? Yeah. Well, I was looking at, and I sent you this earlier, Rob. I was looking at the have want ratio on Discogs. Yeah. And hold on, I'll pull it up again. But it was, it was only in double digits for people that have it and, yeah. and Discogs it. And usually, if you get like the new Tone Poet or whatever, like that number's in like two hundred, like the first day. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, everybody just puts it in. Um, so yeah, so right now on Discogs, only sixty-six people have this box, and only sixteen people want this box. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. How, I don't know how well it's selling, but I think you know those Ornette Coleman ones, the the one I just showed. That thing, I think, is still like available to buy. Yeah, and that is that is a great two uh, LP box. Yeah, okay. just um, um, just all right. Uh, the question about who do I think is a better writer on Miles? 
first of all, Ashley Khan is not a great writer on Miles. He wrote one book on, you know, the kind of blue session. All right, for Miles, you've got um, John Zwed, who wrote the definitive biography on Miles. You can you can use him. For Coltrane, you can use Lewis Porter, who has the definitive biography on Coltrane, or you can use Ben Ratliff, who used to work and used to be the jazz critic at the New York Times, who also has a great biography on mm -hmm. Coltrane. Ashley Khan doesn't, you know, Ashley Khan, he's a fine writer. I'm just saying uh, they're just better people and give us a different perspective. That's exactly. I was going to say, yeah. It's not a matter of being better or worse. I want a better writer. A be it's just different, a different perspective and different right. words, different, yeah, different take. I think that that's that's the point, Mike. That's exactly it. Ashley Khan is the new Ira Gittler. No, don't get me started on Ira Gittler. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, do do we want to uh, finish up with any other aspect about the box that we did not cover? I. Think no. I'll probably think of something after we after we close, but yeah, I think we got good. everything out. Now uh, we can talk. We can talk in relation, like um, uh, as the table turns, is uh, asking if any of us pre-ordered that Dorothy Ashby box. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I, I did. Um, you know, it took it. It, it took me. A, I don't say I really a while. Uh, maybe a couple of days, but you know, I, I went back and I listened to Dorothy Ashby and I bought the um, the one that just um, was reissued, which is actually part of the box set, yeah. yeah. Rogan music reissued it, yeah. Real yeah. Gun. sounds very good, yeah. yeah. I was, and I was like, okay, and it, it was easy. I just, I just had to get it. Mm -hmm. I, had to get it. I might yeah. consider getting it if Amazon carries it and it's. If, it's below 200 bucks. Yeah, see yeah. what's weird is, you know, that new jazz, um, they're sort of, you know, like, it's weird how their stuff shows up, you know, on like, it's weird, like on Amazon, you know, it's not, it, it, it doesn't show up any like significant quantities. Yeah. Um, well, I, I will say that I have the Jerry Mulligan uh, one they did, and that's, that's very good. Mm -hmm. I, I have this jellyfish 45 box that That's they did. Cool. Mm -hmm. This is very good. So they can, and from what I understand, the, their titles have been digital. There's a digital step in them. Am I wrong? I know um, the Jerry Mulligan is. I believe on, uh, yeah, on, on most of them, I would say that's probably right. Yeah. I think the New Land? The I think they, met, they message the digital and then they cut from there. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's the case. Um, but but is the but the the wordage for the Dorothy Ashby yeah. box? Yeah, that seems to be a little different. What's yeah. the word? What's what is it? Do you remember what it says? I, mean, it, I don't remember verbatim, but it sort of indicated that it was all yeah. analog. Yeah. Okay. I don't but really I'm, mind if it's digital if it's done well. I mean, right. like I those, I mean, yeah. yeah. I just ordered the Mofi Bitches Brew. Yeah. today because that's phenomenal consensus it sounds better than the original the term the term that oh, i was really i was reading about earlier is the flat master i don't know if you guys have heard this but the coltrane giant steps from i guess it's rhino or whoever re reissued it said yeah. it's sourced from the flat master which basically i think what i was reading is that means it's digital but there's no nothing done to it uh, before it becomes like a digital source file and then from there you can 
enhance it, make it sound a little better, especially those those Coltrane Atlantic sessions, I think weren't mastered the best. So there are some um, adjustments that can help help with the uh, the sound. Mm -hmm. Can I step back a second? Because Nicole Nicole's saying that she's on the fence and I'm I'm not trying to persuade her to get this. But um, the the thing about this, and really, I don't think anyone has money to throw around here and there on just getting stuff. But yeah, I, the thing I appreciate about Mazzy when he talks about stuff is he really does, I think, a soup to nuts description. And he really is about the packaging. That's like a big deal for him. And mm -hmm. this is so impressive. I, I, I that's my the star of this show mm -hmm. because now we are as a consumer of these type of albums we expect to get good sounding records especially if they put Bernie Grumman's name on it I am I am beyond floored how well done this is mm -hmm. and that adds to my enjoyment of it so you know yeah I mean I and I think it's um, um a necessary, I hate to say, a necessary purchase. You know, some music. You know, and I I I I hear what Nicole's saying, but you know, I also don't want people to, people to think that. You know, these guys are cre they're creative. Lockjaw's creative. You yeah. know, you know they're creative. I, I mean, you know, they're evoking a, a mood. Um, you know. Tempo, it's a different type of creativity, but it's, it's, you know, it's well worth your money. I mean, again, I don't know how daring Lockjaw got with his playing. I actually picked up, uh, I have a um, Muse record he did later here that is quite good somewhere around here. But um, I don't think he was you know, got experimental with his playing. No, but you know, right. you know, mm -hmm. I don't, the creative doesn't necessarily, doesn't, doesn't necessarily, I don't think it, what's, you know, yeah. then, then we're talking about what is creative. You know, you can put yourself in the experimental category, but are you really being creative? I mean, what mm -hmm. are you doing with these, you know, song? I think, I think Lockjaw yep. is doing a lot with these songs, you know, um, this material. I think he's getting the, He's getting more out of this material than than most of his contemporaries got. Now, and, I, yeah. I want to also say, and then I'll, uh, I'll let you guys uh, give your thoughts. See, it always seemed like he was up for a good time. <laughs> you know? Lockjaw? Yeah. Yeah, if you were... Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know much about him personally, but his playing, just everything I hear him on. Yeah, I think he was... Yeah, it was that, the, sort of the, the, that the generation and how he came up. I mean, you know, he, he was playing in all types of settings at, a, at an early age. You know, he, he was, you know, running at a point he was running the Basie yeah. band. Then, you know, he left and then he came back and ran the Basie band. It's just a wealth of experience that he bought. I mean, he, I think he was an excellent interpreter, you know, of standards and, you know, these original tunes are just, yeah. And I, 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 I do want to emphasize Shirley Scott on this. I, uh, I don't have any other Shirley Scott records. I've gone to, there's a record store in New York City called A1 Records, and they have a Shirley Scott section with like, yeah. like 20 like original prestige that nobody buys. They just sit there, 
Nobody's interested in them. Oh yeah, she, she, she has a she has a ton of prestige records. Yes, she has a ton. I've gone through them because they're affordable and they're they're OGs, and I bring them to the listening station, and they don't do it for me. I just yeah. I, I listen to them and I put them back, just like probably everybody else before me did, which is why there's like 25 of them. I would say that's why I'm really blown away by these because I feel like these like I'm so happy that I have her on these. Um, also, you know, Eddie Davis on these too. But I, I just feel like if, if you if you have a perspective like I do, or not into organ too much, I have some organ, not really into Shirley Scott, I would say give this a stream because I do feel like this is, an, these are exceptional. Um, and again, like I didn't pre-order this right away. I heard it. I was like, okay, they're doing this. No big deal. And then I got to sample volume two. Mm-hmm. And that night I came home and I pre-ordered this because I, I was because that one record that I was listening to, I just thought this this is this is something different. Yeah. There's a really good good Shirley, a great Shirley Scott that was um originally done on Strata East. Um and then it was reissued on Arc Records in 2020. It's called One for Me. And it's with oh. it's with Harold Vick on tenor it is it is excellent um and this is a shirley scott led session um it was produced by dexter gordon's wife um and Mm. that's one you know i don't know if you can get the reissue now i haven't seen any copies lately but if you can find that reissue it's really good if you can find the original it'd be even great you know the strategy Strategies originals are like ridiculously expensive. Well, yeah, I mean, in that collection oh. I picked up, there's the live at Stubbs, which yeah. I've not. That one's out. actually one of the more affordable ones, and even that one's like an eighty dollar record. But yeah. but again, you you uh, pure pleasures reissued tons of them, right? I know, but the thing is, so with Strata East, from what I read, uh, Charles Tolliver gave the musicians the rights to all their songs, so they never they never aggregated all those master tapes. So all those music, all those tapes were distributed and these reissues um, people have said, like I'm the person who gave so-and-so the record to do the needle drop of. So the source, um, they didn't have direct source um, for these, not even like dupes or anything for a lot of them at least. So so some of them sound so great. The few I have sound great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the Shirley the Shirley Scott reissue that I'm talking about I think there's only one copy in the U S. and that's like thirty five bucks. Um, and four. Well, it's gone now. Thanks for talking about it. Done. Done. There are a bunch in the U K. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would just say if you're on the fence of this and you haven't really sat with it, give it a stream. And, I mean, yeah, and I don't, you're not going to get. Instantly, you're going to have a Lockjaw Davis collection. So that's yeah, and, and it's back to and it's back to a hundred bucks for right. a record and a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like here, I have I picked this up. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, that for a lot of people, I think I was oh, I was looking in the um, I think in the Penguin Guide, they have that as a four star, the one that Wax held up as a four star um, album. It is. I mean, this is. This is like smoking. Yeah. You know, this is a jammy record. How many how many songs are on that, Rob? 
on this one? I'm very sexy because with all those tenors, it it probably one of those like five, just five. five. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So side B, there's yeah, probably some nice fat. Look, look at that lineup. It's sort of there's George Duvier. Are there? Yeah, I mean it's four tenors. Yeah, yeah, when was this done? This was. Uh... That's what I'm really getting into. This I I it's this past week I've been really kind of diving into these, where it's like. It's like two trumpets and two tenors, four altos, four four tenors. It's just like, and then they basically just get like these like twelve minute sessions where they all stretch. There's like Kenny Burrell is on a lot of these as well, and uh, and Mal Waldron's on a lot of them, and they're just this like unique jam session records on Prestige that I've never heard any other record do anything like these. And not all of them are like great; they're all good, but some of them are. You should, you should try. You should try that Elvin Jones with three saxophones. Mm. Which one's that? That's, that that's actually Genesis. was around the same time as the cookbooks. Yeah, this was yeah. December '58. Yeah. Genesis, three saxophones, and Elvin Jones record. Genesis. Yeah. Oh well, that's that's a whole different thing. That yeah. that's, that's yeah, a, I know, but yeah, yeah. And, uh, the trend. Here's the muse muse record I picked up. This is yeah. from. Uh, 70 something and uh the the lineup is again he liked playing with george yeah mm -hmm. I, you know it's funny i think everybody pretty much liked playing with george i think he, he probably had like oh, close to 900 sessions um yeah. um that he played um with people and um i was just looking and when i was looking at the box on the bottom of it it has the legendary prestige sessions and it was funny i i pulled out like my old penguin guides and it you can tell how these these are sort of risen in stature mm -hmm. because my penguin guide from the fourth edition they only give it like three stars and then by near the ninth edition it's three and a half Mm. Um, Interesting. So, and it's always the same too with the penguin guys. It's not like all music where right. it's a bunch of guys. Yeah, it's the, two, it's the same two guys. Yeah, yeah. And so mm -hmm. yeah, even yeah. even the, those guys went back and revisited. Yeah. I, I yeah I know, but it's funny to me when I look conservative at, on. They always put the um, penguin in and, the and rating oh, this album. Yeah. yeah, they always put the penguin in the all music uh, rating in the Wikipedia entry and Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah, and I look at those and I go, how did they give this? Three stars. It's so much better. I kind of hate those ratings sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're. I. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm happy to see that. I mean, I have. I have the eighth edition, um, and I have the the Rolling Stone book, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. But you know, you got to listen to it and make your own decision because I like stuff that they don't like. Um, yeah. Often, you know, and sometimes they give something four stars, and I listen to it, and I'm just not there with them. Um, and like sometimes they even put in a crown collection. I just don't understand it. And you know, I, I anyway, I did. There was one thing I did notice at the beginning of the stream. Can can the, for the three of us that have the box, if you have it close by still, can you just hold it up really quickly? Because I feel like it's funny that. What are you taking? Noticed, the all, all three of the all three of us kept the shrink. <laughs> yeah, notice. <laughs> hey, listen, man. Actually, I, I have greasy fingers. I, I pulled mine off and I just I put it back on. Oh, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, uh, I want to uh, just to give uh, Shoji Productions a little. He had a question. 
I just so you know my deal with collecting, all I want is a nice, clean, nice sounding record. If I happen to find an OG and it sounds good to me and it sounds nice, mm -hmm. I choose that one. I don't know the definitive uh, copy of Kind of Blue. I do own the the uh, um, HQUR. It sounds awesome. Yeah. I have the 45 version of MoFi. That sounds like crap. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yeah. I had the mono. I had the mon the ch cheap mono that you can get that was done by uh, Kevin Gray in 2011. Well, yeah. yeah. That yeah. sounds good. Oh, yeah. Sounds, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, yeah. in terms of audio file, uh, yeah, I think the UHQF45 is the, the definitive version. I mean, mm. I, my my OG stereo is like near mint, plays perfect, it doesn't come close. Mm. I mean, you have the power, that emotion, you know, it's original, everything. But um, in terms of separation, crystalline details, yeah, the UHQF45 is much better in that sense. <laughs> And I think yeah. that's, is it still available to, uh, to purchase? I think so. I think the 33 sold out, but the 45 is still there. And yeah, the, and the is. 45 is better than the 33. Yeah, but how much it? better? Yeah. It's marginally, but the 33 has so many press issues. It's, it's not a silent vinyl. It's not silent. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, mine sounds great. And I'll tell you this. Go to Discog. So many morons bought that to flip that they're probably oh, lowering yeah. the price. Oh, you know what? Thank you, Diddy PD. Yeah, it was Ryan K. Smith. I'm wrong. But they, no, but there is also a Kevin. Oh, there's there also a Kevin Gray. Yeah, because I have the Ryan K. Smith mono, and there's yeah. a Kevin Gray. Because he said it on an interview. Okay. Um, that he did with someone, and that, then I actually went out. Um, I went on. Um, I guess Discogs and purchased it. I that's never, I never listened to, but I heard that the 50th anniversary is pretty decent as well. That's the one that comes with the book, right? Yeah. Look, I look. It's such a. It goes back to the thing that is a well-recorded record. Yeah. So, and I know those monos are digital. Those sound good too. Whatever you, you can find one that fits your budget. I don't think you'll go no. wrong. No. I have um. I have the UHQR thirty-three. That's really good, but it's not available right now. And then I also have the music on. I got I had the music on vinyl one before then, and that one's okay. It's you know it's not the best, but I mean, that's a really affordable copy to get. Yeah, I, I can't bring myself to buy another kind of blue because yeah. I have, I think I have four. And I'm just like, why? Well, you know, I've got, yeah, I've got the Ryan K. Smith, I've got the Kevin Gray, I've got the MoFi, and I've got the 33 UHQR. Hey, I have one coming out that I've mastered. So and then I have, then I have two CD copies. But I will say, as you know, yeah. I realize it's been pressed a thousand times, but if you wanted a affordable, like $40 or less, 33 all analog cut of that record there's not one in print right like you think like with all these pressings like every one is like this weird like oh this one's like a mono but it's digital this one's 150 dollars double 45 it's like there's no just like regular black vinyl put out by you know somebody with a nice jacket that's all analog it's like crazy well, like, you know, settle so down like you're getting really agitated <laughs> so there you know what it it be, it's there's so many copies it would be like raining them. Yeah. You should be able to find a nice copy of it. Yep. Yeah, um, Carlos. Yeah, I um, I think I think Mike may have it. You have the tenor scene also with Lockjaw and Johnny Griffin. 
No, I don't. That was put out by AP though recently. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I have it. Yeah. Not yeah. And that's a, I think that's a live record. I think that's yeah. live at like Mittens. Yeah. 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 It's a I good used, one. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, I used to live a block away from Mittens. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they actually they refurbished it and they play music there uh, now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You mentioned that before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that's one I do regret not picking up, but you know, I couldn't get them all. <laughs> I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm happy. I, I I am really happy. I have these. These are cool. Yeah. Um, you know, these are crafts. So they changed the the catalog number to CR, right? Instead of, instead of whatever it is, like PLP or PSLP. Um, yeah, the original. But. Well, yeah. Uh, Prestige seven seventy two nineteen on volume three. That was stupid. Okay, that's <laughs> the thing they did wrong. Yeah, that is the one. Uh, the the problem. All right, so here's the problem because this came up the other day on a stream. I, you know, really, I don't mind if the catalog number is different. But the thing is, I do like to put them sequentially in my collection through by catalog number. I do that with my Blue Note Classics, you know, and. Now, if I'm mixing these with my analog productions, yeah, you know, I, I just don't know what this doesn't tell me anything. Like I don't know when this put it. so so what I've done for for other ones, I like write down on a little post-it note what the actual catalog. Oh is. no, you're one of those people. <laughs> so I know where to put it. Right. I want to see the sequence. Yeah, do you do hospital like, corners like on your bed? Like this comes out after bed. this comes out after lights out. Oh, yeah. What is it in terms of all night long? Is it before yeah. or is it after? Oh, do you, do you put a mint? Do you put a mint on your pillow before you go to sleep? <laughs> I put a mint on my pillow, and every sandwich I make, I need a little like pickle. You cut the crust pickle. off. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Make, make sure it doesn't overflow. <laughs> my, my wife's in here working. She says I'm annoying her now. You send the pizza back to Domino's if they're not cut. Every piece is the same size. <laughs> well, you know that that's the well that's the only downside. Otherwise, I really don't care. It's just that I don't know I don't know where to place this now. So come on. Uh, I think you should throw it out your window. <laughs> I'm gonna donate it. I'm leaving it in the box. I have I have a shelf here of all the boxes. So I put it there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I'm gonna take it out the box and just keep them all together. I don't, yeah. Uh, that's the only sort of dilemma. Then you I have the box. I just keep them in the box. That's yeah. what I mean. if they yeah. come in their own jackets, I take them out of the box. If they need the box because they don't have a jacket, I leave the box. Yeah. And, and then I put the box. All this information will be in the book uh, we put uh, out. Until, until, the moment, until the moment we run out of room. And then right. Mazzy, and then I call Mazzy and we just talk about how we hate boxes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I really appreciate you coming up, spending time tonight, and letting uh, everyone know how we felt. I think. Mm -hmm. Unanimously, this is a must-buy. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It's a one-stop to get uh, definitive uh, Lockjaw Davis records. So, yeah, yeah. All right, thank you again, and thanks everyone for watching and commenting. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts.